Hey, y'all. I know you were not expecting another episode this week, but we are preparing to wind down the season. However, before we do, I wanted to introduce you to a subject that I have been studying quite intensely lately. I had the honor and the opportunity to share the word at a local church here called Living Word. And it was a blessing. I believe that this word could bless you as well. So I'd like to invite you to listen in to a little clip of it. I want you to know that I love you. I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you and your community. Listen in. We love knowing and keeping secrets. It makes us feel loved. It makes us feel important. It makes us feel valued. But that is the best kept secret. We are loved by the creator of the universe. This season, we are coming together with some of the most beautiful queens that you will ever meet to unpack productivity tips from the Bible. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then queen, we've got some work to do. Let's get to it. To share with you can be a little taboo in certain spaces because I am actually talking about entitlement today. Now, this is something that we don't really like to say that we may deal with. I am a millennial, for anybody that was wondering. I already got some laughs. I already got some laughs. <laughs> and my generation is the one generation that has been accused of being the most entitled to date. I think that that makes me qualified to speak on this subject. <laughs> However, I know that those of us who have been marginalized as women and even because of our race, we also deal with some spaces of entitlement. Why? Because we've been marginalized for so long that we begin to believe, uh-uh, now you've overlooked me long enough, I am do a few things. And whereas I acknowledge that, I also remember that we choose kingdom over culture, that we are first members of the body of Christ. And because of that, God opens up areas that we like to press down, ignore, and hide as if we don't really deal with them ourselves. I'm going to open up today about some of the areas of entitlement that I have experienced, and I'm just gonna ask that you not leave me alone. <laughs> that you ask and invite the Lord to show you one or two places where you may have found that you deal with that as well. Today we are going to be discussing 1 Samuel chapter 20 verses 1 through 2 and then 10 through 15. And I am really excited to get into this world word because I recognize that if we are going to become community, we really have to get over our sense of entitlement and how it shows up. I can't believe she didn't call me. <laughs> Could that be entitlement? I cannot believe she didn't follow me back. Did she, did she see that I 
even check in on me when I was sick. These are areas that inflict and inhibit us from connecting with others because they really cause us to look first at what we believe we were deserved, and they lead us to focus on the negative parts of our relationships. But I want you guys to know that God has a solution for us today. I have to share with you that I have experienced entitlement in so many different ways, so many different ways that I'm ashamed to admit it. I was bullied when I was growing up. And because of that, when I became an adult, I set boundaries that bordered a little bit on entitlements because what you were not going to do was talk about me any longer. But when I noticed you weren't talking to me either, then I cut you off real quick, right? There's a fine line that we have to balance between boundaries, healthy boundaries and entitlement because there are times when the Lord calls us to engage, when he calls us to lay our own pride down. And that's more often than not. When we engage, it truly helps others to come out of some of those areas of pain that they've harbored and it helps them to engage as well. Let's go to verse 1. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1 through 2, and then we're going to skip over to verse 10. David now fled from Naoth in Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done, he exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? That's not true, Jonathan protested. You are not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. First 10, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Then David asked, how will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. I have to take a moment for that one. That one always hits me. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love. Even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. I appreciate Jonathan because when I look at scripture, I find that he is one of the most humble men in the word of God. I appreciate him. 
If you are not familiar with Jonathan, he is King Saul's son. And if you're not aware of what's going on in this particular passage right here, it's here that we've already found that years have now passed since David has been anointed king by the prophet Samuel. It's time has passed since David has killed Goliath. Time has passed. David has actually married King Saul's youngest daughter, Michal. Time has passed. And now King Saul is growing angrier by the day. In fact, it was Michal who made David aware that her father was going to kill him that night. And so he leaves and he is distraught and he is asking, what have I done? And the truth is that he hadn't done anything. I know that you all already know this, but I just felt the Lord saying that I cannot leave this part out today. It's just a little caveat. Someone has been tested, but I want you to know that that opposition has only come because you have been obedient. I want you to know that it is for no other reason but to distract you from where the Lord has you, and you need to continue standing strong, unwavering. I don't know who that's for, but I didn't say it last time, and he said, don't you dare forget that this time. So whoever, whoever feels as if they are being tested, as if the enemy is throwing the kitchen sink up against them, remember that that opposition has come because you've been obedient. Keep going. Keep going. I appreciate Jonathan because he is someone that is open to engaging even in the middle of his entitlement. It's a little glimmer here. But if we want to look at the definition of entitlement to be endowed with a title, he has it. He is the epitome of it. He has been raised in royalty. He has been raised to be the king. He has servants at his beck and call. Anything that he says goes. He is the prince. He is entitled. But even here, we see that. Although his relationship with his father becomes incredibly, incredibly traumatic and troubling in the chapters that follow, here we actually find that it seems that they've had a good relationship to this point. He believes that he is entitled to his father's honesty. He says, ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> My father has not told me that. He would have told me. How is it that Mikhail knows this? And he doesn't. He feels as if he's entitled to the truth. And so he just begins to dismiss David. It's in those moments where we feel entitled, entitled to our emotions, or entitled to someone checking in on us, that we begin to disengage when we find that we have not yet been given everything we believe that we deserve. But it's here in scripture that the Lord shows us we keep engaging. We keep engaging. He had this moment where he dismissed David, but he allows David to continue talking and he continues to draw out David's fears. And in that, he even creates a safe space and he begins to share some of his as well. You read it with me. 
May the Lord be with you, even as he used to be with my father. It takes a humble man to say that. It takes someone that has continued to engage and continued to really do the hard work that relationship requires to go to this place. I used to brag about how easy it was for me to cut friends off when they disrespected or dismissed me because I always wanted to let them know that I didn't need them. But the truth is I do. But the truth is I do. That just as Sean said, we are better in community. And so I find that we have to keep engaging, that we have to look at ourselves and question what is it that has really made me feel offended in this moment? What is it that makes me want to pull away? What is it that makes me want to back up from this relationship because it could be some things that are going on with us internally that have nothing at all to do with the other person. We have to continue engaging because the truth is, oh, he was entitled to offense. This man had come for everything of his. Now, he wasn't lording it over him. David was also incredibly humble himself at this point, so he never walked into the palace as if it was his, but by the time he got to the palace, he had already been anointed the next king of Israel. And I don't think that was a secret. In our Western world, we tend to believe that everything is secret and that it was done in secret, but if we think about what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Samuel went into the village, the elders came to him. And the elders said, what have we done? What have we done? And he said, nothing, come with me to Jesse's house to make this sacrifice. People knew that he had been anointed king. But whether or not this was true for Jonathan, it's true that he has a revelation of it now. And that he has chosen to give up his, his reasons to be offended and his reasons to be disappointed. Because sometimes, if we're going to be honest, relationships can disappoint us. Even when we did everything right. Even when we were the good friend. Even when we were the one that went above and beyond. It's just chapters before that he and David's hearts were knitted and he'd given him his robe and he'd given him so many other things to signify his belief in David. He had a right to be disappointed, and yet he continued to engage. And as he does, he chooses humility. Because how many of y'all know we can't engage in anger? We can't engage in pride. You know, them little petty comments that we respond with. But he chooses to resemble and to to symbolize the scripture we find years later in John that reminds us no greater love have you than to lay down your life than your brother. And he lays it down in this moment. He says, may the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. 
How did the Lord used to be with King Saul? In 1 Samuel chapter 9, we learn that he was Israel's desire, that he was the hope of Israel. And if the Lord is going to be with David as he was with King Saul, Jonathan is saying, it is my prayer that you become Israel's hope. It is my prayer that you become Israel's desire. And I know what that means for me. I know that I don't get anything good out of this. I know that I literally may die. But I pray that he destroys your enemies from the face of this earth. Who were David's enemies? His father. Right, right. His father's enemies. He laid everything he had down. Everything. Sis, I want you to know that he's not the only one that has done this. In Isaiah 53, 3, we learn that our Lord decided to come here knowing yeah. that he would be despised and rejected. He decided to come here knowing that we would turn our backs on him. He decided to come here knowing that we would turn away. And yet in Hebrews 12, 2, we learn that he did it because of the joy set before him, that he despised the cross and the shame that it brought because of the joy of the friendship that would come with us. Oh, that friendship, that friendship that he's found with us, that he has facilitated, that, that was the joy that was set before him. He chose to lay everything down so that we may find life in him, and he's asked us to follow in his example. But as we know, may not require us to lay down our literal lives. May not. It may just require us to lay down a little bit of pride. It may require us to check in on our friends when they're not checking in on us. It may require us to call them back. It may require us to be the first to engage, to be the only one to engage over time. But I tell you that it will be worth it. It's time to stop looking for a friend like Johnny. And it's time to start being a I am so excited about what God is doing in your life. And I would be honored to hear which part of this show resonated with your heart. Make sure that you take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me at CandidLive on Instagram. It would be so nice to connect with you and even feature you right here on the show. Until then, know that I am praying for you. I know that you're praying for me too. Love you.